I'm Amber Harper from the Burned In Teacher Podcast and a part of the Education Podcast Network, just like the show you're listening to now. Shows on the network are individually owned and opinions expressed may not reflect others. Find other interesting education podcasts at edupodcastnetwork.com. Hey, leader of learning. When it comes to professional development, wouldn't you want to save money and choose PD that meets your needs? Midwest Teachers Institute offers the most affordable, state-accredited graduate courses on the market for salary enhancement, state certification, and continued education with no hidden fees. With classes designed by professionals active in their field, you get practical tips to help you improve what you do best. Sign up for a class and see why they truly are teachers helping teachers. Visit MidwestTeachersInstitute.org and enter the coupon code LEARNING at checkout to save $30 off your first course. That's MidwestTeachersInstitute.org and coupon code LEARNING. Libraries are big spaces. Gyms are big spaces. And you know what happens to big spaces? They become little spaces. That means people are going to start using them as makeshift classrooms because they need to. And I understand it. But what happens to those specials? And our kids need them more than ever now. Welcome back for another episode of the Leader of Learning podcast. This is where educators can come to find inspiration to transform education through effective leadership. I'm your host, Dan Krinas. Let's get started. Hey, Leader of Learning, and welcome to episode 82 of the Leader of Learning podcast. And I'm going to say unofficially, welcome back to the 2020-2021 school year. Uh, If you're like me, you're just about to start up again. This episode is releasing on August 25th. I go back to work August 27th with students returning in a hybrid model on September 8th. I hope you caught last episode, which was the first in a new monthly series called Devil's Advocate that's running on this Leader of Learning podcast. If you didn't, my co-host, Rochelle Danae Poth, and I covered all of the thoughts and feelings around school reopening, including what kind of research is out there. And so I don't want to get too into my own thoughts and feelings, but if you missed that episode, I would recommend you go back and take a listen. I just want to wish everyone good luck and advise everyone to just stay strong, stay flexible, and really keep an open mind to the limitless possibilities that may not have been explored before, but that could work in whatever model your school is opening in, whether it be in-person, hybrid, or virtual or distance learning. Definitely keep an open mind to all the possibilities that you could explore in whatever model. Now, on to this episode, I was very excited to be able to speak to someone who I've only followed and met briefly in person, but I've seen a lot of her work. She's an advocate for many technology tools and ed tech programs and platforms. She is a librarian and educational technology specialist. I was very excited to speak to Christina Holzweiss. Here is our conversation. I am very excited to bring on in this episode, Christina Holzweiss, who is a slash now. She's going to explain this a little bit better than I can, but she is an ed tech specialist slash librarian and calls herself 
an ed tech librarian, I think. Correct okay. me if I'm wrong, but I'm excited to have her. I think Christine and I, Christina and I just met briefly once, I want to say at last year's ISTE, but I've known of her for a while as an ambassador to lots of uh, ed tech products out there. And I'm excited to bring her on as we head into this start of what should be a, a really interesting school year. But Christina, welcome. And of course, if there's anything I left out or any better job you could do to introduce yourself, please do so. Well, thank you so much for having me on your show. Um, I'm an educator for 25 years. I started as a seventh grade English teacher, actually, for nine years. And then I went to school for my ed tech certification. Um, but in 2000, no one was looking for ed tech or staff developers. So I figure, what's the best way to combine my love of writing and reading and um, promoting literature and uh, training teachers and technology, I became a librarian. So for 14 years of being a librarian, I saw an advertisement at a really good school district nearby that was looking for an ed tech specialist. And basically the description matched me perfectly. I am part of a library team and I was hired as an ed tech specialist, but part of the library team. So I am an ed tech librarian. I like that. Ed tech librarian. Now, I have a feeling that people like you in positions like the one you have are going to ha have been. I don't want to offend anyone. I think those types of positions have been extremely important in the past five to 10 years educational technology wise. And again, I know how many products you uh, are an ambassador for and, and you're really out there using and, and pushing um, on social media and, and to connected educators. And I'm assuming in your school as well. But I have to imagine that coming into this uh, new normal quote unquote, school year, um, your position, like many ed tech specialists out there and even librarians and library okay. media specialists are going to be extremely important. So I want to talk about that first. And if you could kind of give us a glimpse into um, not only just, you know, how your school is coming back, but, you know, maybe I guess how you're feeling about it right now, because I know a lot of people have a lot of different thoughts and feelings about schools reopening. As a matter of fact, I just did an episode of a series now that's co-hosted by Rochelle Danae Poth, and we talked all about school reopening. So what's it looking like and how are you feeling about it? You know, I've been teaching for 25 years and I am both excited and anxious. Um, it, it's the new, the new normal is uncomfortable, um, but for many people who have never use technology, it's really uncomfortable and intimidating. Um, so, you know, right now I'm, I'm anxious about getting back to school. I will be going, I work in a high school, so I'll be going back to a high school. I'll be working every day. I'll be in the school, but my, our students, since it's just a, a large group of students, they will be in school every other day. My own children are in sixth, uh, going into sixth, fifth, and third grade. The fifth and the third grader will be in one school and the sixth grader will be in another school. Uh, I think I'm more anxious about that because of childcare issues. We are in a hybrid model on Long Island because New York, you know, is such a hot spot. Um, so we, we, we've been asked if we would like to do remote. I told my kids and they're like, you chose hybrid, right? They want to be back in school. I said, of course I did. Um, I am scared. I am nervous. Um, but I had to do that for them because they need they need that socialization. But my children will only be in school two days a week with a rotating Monday. And now my, my son who's going into sixth grade, instead of ending his school day at 2.55, he'll be ending at 2.05. So to allow teachers 
time to give office hours for their remote learners, which I think is a wonderful idea, but it's my childcare issues that I worry about. Yeah, you know, I've and and you and I are not very far away geographically speaking, and and you're right, we're we at least were in uh, somewhat of a hotspot for for the virus. Now, in my area uh, where I work, I'm actually fairly close to Long Island. I'm in Norwalk, Connecticut, and okay. um, our district is is also going to a hybrid model. The schedule is a little different, but kind of the same way as you, where uh, the staff goes back in full time. And at least the secondary students, grades six through 12, are back on a part-time basis, uh, three days on and two days off, and then switch it up the next week. But my own kids, the district where I live, they're sending everybody back full-time. And um, wow. I have you know, my own thoughts and feelings about it. A lot of them I shared on the last episode of the podcast or, or the first episode, really, of, uh, of our new series. And um, I guess what's nice about that is I don't have to worry about childcare unless the model changes somehow. Um, and, and it might, you know, a lot, a lot of people out there right now are thinking, hey, we're in this model for only so long. And that so long is if and when the, uh, the virus rears its ugly head again. So I understand that. But, um, you know, again, not to beat a dead horse because we've already talked about it on the show, but um, I do like the idea of people returning as long as it's not everybody at the same time and as long as it's with um, adhering to strict guidelines and and safety measures. And I don't know if my own town is going to change between now and the start of school or shortly after school starts, but right now they're saying everybody goes back, uh, which again alleviates the childcare issues, but I don't know if I feel quite as safe about it. Right. My kids were supposed to start school on September 1st. Um, and then I was going to go back and um, have our conference days. But now my kids are going back to school September 8th. So now I have to find childcare for those days that they'll be home while I'll be in my school with, with superintendent's conference days and trying to plan out. Um, actually, in my Facebook group, I put out a question, you know, how long do you think it's going to be? <laughs> how long do you think we're going to, you know, be doing this? And someone posted that she's already starting a pool <laughs> with her teachers, you know, like almost like a, Probably not a, a bad idea. pool. Like, when do you <laughs> think it'll be? And I really think it's really in New York, uh, I don't think it's going to last long. I'll be honest with you. It's not anyone's fault. It's just we were quarantined in the spring. We've had our summer where we've been outside. We've been with people, but we've been distanced. We've been outside. Uh, we aren't not in classrooms. I think classrooms are going to be difficult. Kids are wearing masks, and especially for elementary. Kids are wearing masks. They'll be separated from each other. They'll be eating lunch in their classrooms. What happens to their specials, their gym, their art, their music, and their libraries? Libraries are big spaces. Gyms are big spaces. And you know what happens to big spaces? They become little spaces. That means people are going to start using them as makeshift classrooms because they need to. And I understand it. But what happens to those specials? And our kids need them more than ever now. Well, let's talk about that a little bit. So obviously, as the the slash position that you're in, um, your specialty area is, you know, the library. And um, again, I think that people in your positions, if they haven't been before, are going to be extremely crucial uh, this school year. So if you could maybe just talk to us about where 
librarians, library media specialists, uh, technology specialists come into play in terms of supporting teachers as we go back to whatever model uh, the school might look like? Well, number one, librarians, we are totally about uh, uh, advocating for the for reading. So looking at print and digital books, looking at equity, um, you know, maybe some of us ha had purchased digital books before, but we you know, there wasn't a need for what we have now. Um, will we be uh, circulating, you know, actual print materials? Will we not be? Uh, database use will be, you know, up. You know, I know librarians push databases um, and a lot of people say, oh, it's Googling is easier. Well, now it's the time where it's like, oh, databases are important. So it's funny how there's like that pendulum swing. There's always that pendulum swing in education. So, um, so you know, explaining how to use those databases and explaining how to use the digital eBooks, um, ordering the proper materials to reflect our students so they have windows to look through to understand other people from other walks of life and cultures and races and also mirrors to reflect themselves so that um also copyright copyright issues there were you know it was a wild west in the spring you know people were using whatever they could and and i understand that because they were scrambling because it was like, oh my gosh, what do we got? What do we do? We have to catch up. But there are copyright issues. There are issues with read alouds. There are issues with finding a PDF of a book. You know, many publishers have um, extended the resources for the fall, but that's that's their livelihood. That's authors. You know, it's like, you know, everyone needs to get paid for their work. And so when we use resources without permission that's affecting someone's livelihood i mean when you put in a dvd you always have that fbi warning at the beginning well when you open a book there should be an fbi warning that's someone's intellectual property so those are the big things um collaborating with teachers is important um helping them with their students and integrating technology all important things but yes um librarians and tech specialists are more important than ever but ironically there are some districts and some states that are releasing librarians. In New York State, for example, the elementary school librarians are not state mandated, only secondary, only middle school and high school. So technically, you do not need to have a certified librarian in a uh, New York State elementary school. Seems, but kind, we, seems kind of backwards to me. It's very backwards. And I think I think this is the, the time for librarians to really advocate for what they're doing. You know, people have that traditional view of, well, it's a library. And if you're not in the library, if you're not in the physical building, well, what are you doing? Well, a librarian is an educator and they, you know, they, yes, we need the physical building, but we can teach through other means. We could definitely you know, I think other ways. Yeah. That's an awesome point, and it kind of leads me to a comment that I wanted to make. I think you and I have a lot in common in terms of uh, our middle school English background. At this point, I've gone more of the instructional slash technology coaching, but I see, uh, I think, I feel like what you're saying is is kind of leading to the fact that what we have in common is now our ability to really coach teachers and students through some of these challenges that they're going to face regardless of exactly what model 
their school has chosen to go to. Um, like you were saying, in a lot of ways, whether it's you know researching and using databases or uh, copyright and and information like like digital literacy yes. um, and skills like that. But one of the things that you mentioned, I think, is extremely important, and I think we have that in common too, which is that I think we have the responsibility and also the power as coaches and and having um, having a say in the materials that our students are reading in school to address that equity piece and not even the uh-huh. reading materials, but the actual technology resources yeah. as well. Uh, you mentioned getting materials in, in the hands of kids that look and sound and seem more like them and their culture and what they're used to. I was just wondering if maybe we could chat a little bit more about that, that equity piece. You know, I, I see, you know, in terms of technology, you know, my, my kids have their own Chromebooks, you know, they got them for Christmas presents. I never thought that this would ever happen. Um, so they've used them on their own. But, you know, mostly where I live on Long Island and probably where you live in Connecticut, that um, getting resources like that is not totally difficult. You know, there are people who do need them and we do have people who, you know, are they require free lunch. But for the most part, it is not... Um, a problem that the, the districts can handle those 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 you know those people who need help um but wi-fi you need wi-fi in order to use these things but there are places all of the united states where people don't have access to these things so while my kids now are going into the fall learning you know they have learned about Google Classroom and all these other web tools that the teachers don't have to spend the time that they would have to use before because they learn it in the spring. So their technology skills are up here now. You know, my kids, they're doing stop motion, they're doing coding, they're here. But then the kids who are here who didn't, who don't have access is becoming this, is becoming a disparity that, you know, our kids are learning more and more, but there are other kids who are being falling behind even more and more. And that's where that is a national issue. We have to help all of our students become active participants in the global community and economy. And we can't leave anyone behind like that. And there have to be um, resources available to everyone. And I'm not talking about, you know, you know, STEM careers, and I'm not talking about everyone going into coding, access to learning is a right. Access yeah. to is a right. I keep thinking about that we're in a very unique and exciting position, uh, especially schools who are returning some of their students and not all of them, uh, which I think a lot of districts who are returning in person are doing it in a hybrid model where it's not everyone coming back. My own district has said up to 50% of students that would normally be in the classroom. So at the K to five level, everyone's coming back, but in smaller classes. At the six through 12, 12 level, everyone's coming back, but on staggered days. In my mind, as the educational leader and, and coach that I am, I keep thinking, you know what? If we wanna think about the positive, put a positive spin on it, what better opportunity over the past several years have we had to really personalize learning for the students. And if that's because you only have 12 or 14 at most in a room at one time, that's great. If that's because you now have new technology tools and devices at your disposal and your students' disposal, then that's great too. But I feel like people in positions like yours and mine can have the ability to affect that kind of change um, with 
you know, it's through coaching teachers and supporting students so that they're they're really learning more on their own, kind of like what you just said. I, I know over the last couple of days I've been involved in on a team in my district putting together choice boards for <laughs> students so that they can have more autonomy in what they're learning and especially how they're learning it and even more so how they're showing how they're proving their mastery uh, of that content of that subject area and and that's the stuff that's exciting me right now yeah i mean when i was an english teacher we were uh, using literature circles and i remember the literature circles. so uh, for those of you who don't know what that is um, as you're reading a book or a short story or a poem one person would be uh the um the word definer and they would look up words the other person would be the artist the other person would be the quote um the person who's looking for quotes so everyone had a role um, we all remember the old web quests right where everyone had a role and so it's good teaching it's good teaching and we're just now layering it um you know when people say to me there there are so many web tools i can't you know i can't learn them all i said you don't you take what you what is good for you and what fits for you when teachers come to me and they say you know i, I have this lesson i have this project and i really would like to integrate more technology i always ask what are your learning goals well, can, and I, if if I could just interject for a minute, it, in my opinion, it's not even so much to like, you know, don't learn them all and just wor work with what may, what fits for you. But it's also you don't need to learn them all mm -hmm. because honestly speaking, you don't always have to be the expert in, in your classroom. Your students can be allowed to be experts as well, especially the older students, obviously. But give them a choice and, and let them kind of, you know, just go off from there and see which uh, tool or, or product that they want to use to show, show you what they know. And I think, again, this, this is, when I, when I was going to school, you know, it, you could have, again, a choice board. You can make a poster, you can make the shoebox diorama, you can write an essay. We did that before. And then for some reason we got, we, we got away from that. And now is a time to bring back um, those two good, the good pedagogy, the ghost, those, those things that we did before when, um, you know, we're thinking about, you know, the kids and choice and voice. Well, now we're just giving them other media. Yeah, no, that's a great point. Now, speaking of giving them choices and voices and media and, and tools, I know that you've been working on uh, a, what are we calling it? An ebook, epic ebook of web tools and apps and a digital librarian survival toolkit. So I do want you to to talk about those resources because again, um, I, I think that uh, people like you and, and who are in positions like you uh, and, and using resources like this are gonna be so crucial for teachers to lean on as we enter this uh, school year that's gonna look totally different and Listen, it's going to be frustrating, but, you know, again, like we said a couple minutes ago, I think there are positives here. There are things that are exciting people about just doing new things and, and having exciting opportunities to just try, you know, try new things and just get get out on the limb and go for it. You know, so if you could just take us through those those resources and how you and some of your colleagues have stepped up to to really support teachers, I'd appreciate that. Well, our, our district has a, a full subscription to uh, Book Creator. And so I used it years ago on the iPad, but you know, you revisit tools. And so I started using it and I created a, a, a book for kids on how to write a how-to book. And it's a how-to book on how to write a how-to book. And so I sent that out and I had people 
teachers from all over, from China to California using it. So I said, well, this is a really great format. So then for my own teachers, I created uh, three Flipgrid books, uh, which now have to be updated, of course, but they were different levels. So uh, teachers can look at Either their own, um, create, you know, be in more in control of their own learning. And if you ever seen Book Creator, it has that typical book feel. With videos and text, people can manage it on their own. Webinars are great, but then how do you fast forward and rewind to where you need? So I said, well, those two things really worked well. So then I said, okay, let's crowdsource something. So we have the epic ebook of web tools and apps, and it's almost about 250 pages with 50 educators all over the world. I just got an email today that someone in Belgium was using it with, and they were training. So, you know, I thought well, we need to have something out there. Um, it takes time to publish. So, you know, by the time something is published out, you know, it's outdated again, people need this now. Um, so we started in May, but then, you know, everyone was teaching and it got crazy. And I said, okay, so let's, you know, let's get back to it. And again, we have 250 pages and people keep uh, contributing to it. So it'll be an updated resource. So wherever you use the link, it is the updated resource. Um, that was debuted last Saturday and it's gotten 5,000 plus clicks. Uh, this Saturday, we are going to uh, debut the Digital Librarian Survival Toolkit, which does not focus just on tools, but on concepts. So there'll be a section on book talks, show you how to do that. There'll be a section on engaging students, a section on um, using, you know, uh, promoting literature, uh, promoting ebooks. So there are more concepts and they show you how to use the tools. And so I just put it out in my Facebook group and we have about 35 librarians who stepped up to the plate. And I think it's a really good tool for advocacy for librarians and for teachers to say, hey, I was part of something big and I'm going to share it with you. And I think it really calls, it shines a light on librarians, especially that's another one of my motives because again, we always think of, you know, you know, my website is bunhead with duct tape where, you know, librarians are all bunheads. I happen to love duct tape because I'm a maker, but we all have that you know, misconception of we're just, you know, yeah, boop, two weeks, here's your book. So, all right, the those are two separate resources, right? Let's okay. talk about the epic ebook of web tools and apps, which I, I love uh, not only the resource, but the fact that it's being updated constantly. And uh, just for the listeners' sake, I know Christina mentioned it came out last week. We are recording this a couple weeks before the, the podcast comes out, but just know that it's out there already. And uh -huh. Christina, if you could talk about maybe uh, just give us some examples of what people can find when they go there and of course, how they can actually find it. Awesome. So it'll be on my uh, my website, Bunhead with Duct Tape. Um, there'll be a tab that says resources and you can just scroll down and you can get the link to that. And we are going to work on other epic eBooks um, for uh, curriculum, basically with curriculum. So in there, you'll find videos, you'll find audio, you'll find text, you'll find links. Um, and each section is written by uh, a different writer. And the feel is really cool because there's bitmojis everywhere um, that everyone has a little contact, almost like a, a business card in the back with their contact information. So now it's like you have a person in the field, an expert that you can contact. Um, you know, if you're using web tools and you go, uh, you know, on the web, on the YouTube or you go on the website, it can be very, very overwhelming. So this, um, I, the pages are as short as two pages or as long as eight pages. So you and kind of get a taste of it. 
Sorry, yeah. So, and so this uh, resource sounds amazing, and it must cost a lot of money because you're probably making a ton of money off of it, right? Nope. It's absolutely free. Absolutely That's fantastic. Free. An educator's favorite F word. So <laughs> guys, head over to bunheadwithducttape.com to find that epic ebook of web tools and apps. Obviously, uh, the the links and, and everything will be in the show notes for this episode. And is that where... Uh, now, I don't know how many uh, librarians and library media specialists may listen to this podcast. I'm sure you will bring some more, but I know you have a lot of them who follow you. And so if anyone is interested as well in that digital librarian survival toolkit, that's also available there as well for free. That will be available beginning on August 15th. We're waiting for our virtual summit and our release party, and then everyone will have the link after that. Well, this podcast episode will go out after that. So again, that one is already up. Guys, head to bunheadwithducttape.com uh, to, to access those resources. I really appreciate your time. And I think that, again, um, you know, getting a, a perspective like yours as we head into this school year and especially getting these kind of amazing resources that you and, and everyone who has contributed are putting out are going to be so, so helpful because I know that there are people out there. I know for sure that there are people out there who are looking around going, what do I do? Where, where do I turn for help? What kind of resources are out there to help? And so I think that's perfect. And I think that's why you're a perfect choice to bring on here at the end of August. And as schools are starting up or about to start up in our case at the beginning of September. So uh, thank you so much. And um, I already plugged the website several times, but please just also tell people where they can find you and connect with you on social. So I'm on Twitter. I'm at librarian, L-I-E-B-E-R-R-I-A-N. People chuckle at that because, you know, kids say I'm going to the library anyway. So I'm the librarian and it's the Bunhead with Duct Tape, D-U-C-T-T-A-P-E, not the duck, but bunheadwithducttape.com. And there'll be a tab that it will say free and or free resources and it'll be right in there. Um, we would like people to use this far and wide. It's a great tool to advocate for librarians and to collaborate. And um, I, I just hope that it helps everyone. I'm so, so, so proud of the family that I've become a part of, people I've met and people I've never met who have written for the book. I'm so proud of this family. Well, thank you for everything that you are doing, along with the many people who are contributing to help provide those resources for teachers and um, just really support educators and students as best we can. And, and especially thank you for coming on here and giving me some time and being an awesome guest on the podcast. And thank you so much. Your podcast is wonderful. And thank you for all that you do. Well, that'll do it for this episode. Thank you so much for listening. If you haven't done so yet, don't forget to subscribe to this podcast on your favorite podcast app. Also, if you enjoy the content shared on the show, please recommend this podcast to other educators, leaders, friends, or anyone you think would love listening and learning. I would also appreciate it if you would leave a positive rating and review on Apple Podcasts, iTunes, or whatever podcast app you use to listen. For more information about me or this show, head over to leaderoflearning.com. While you're there, you can also find the Leader of Learning blog, how to connect on social media such as Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and Voxer, sign up for our newsletter, and even find out how to purchase Leader of Learning merchandise. Thanks again, and remember, no matter who you are or where you are, you too can be a leader of learning.